at some point we are going to have to do a whole show about how good this show sounds.
right, everybody, welcome to Down Ballot. This show is usually live Fridays, 8 p.m. Pacific, though I don't know how that's going to change going forward. We'll keep you up to date. If you're listening on the podcast, go ahead and follow us at twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. Though we're not there right now, this is just a makeup recording for the Friday stream we missed. Um, supposed to be off this week, but I don't think anybody's going to tell on us. How you doing, Councilman? Fabulous, just fabulous. I'm so glad to be doing the, this recording for our, our minions out there who rely on this show for their comic relief and their local uh, you know news, and uh, for folks who really just don't have any other outlets for, for this kind of thing. So um, we are a public service, and we're excited to be here. Fantastic. I need... Um, almost ready here. Almost ready. Okay. Well, you know what? Fuck it. We're not even going to put this out on YouTube. I don't need to do that. So um, what's our first story? What do we got in leading off? Well, um, all sorts of crazy things are happening. Um, obviously, we had a, uh, the 4th of July yesterday and observed uh, this week. Um, and uh, yeah, we're, uh, prior to that, uh, there were some uh, quite a bit of hubbub going on about illegal fireworks. Um, or fireworks in general, which tend to be illegal in the Bay Area, and uh, all the sorts of shenanigans that were expected to pop off and ended up popping off. We can find out more about them on this clip. Works definitely increasing tomorrow. Fireworks stands are opening in several communities this week. For a lot of people, fireworks are an inseparable part of Fourth of July celebrations, no doubt about it. While many kinds of fireworks are illegal in cities across the Bay Area, there are some communities still where they're allowed. In San Bruno, fireworks stands are ready for the sale of safe and sane fireworks tomorrow. Sales also start this week in Pacifica, Dublin, Newark, Union City, Gilroy, and several North Bay locations as well. It's got a lot of people concerned because of the extreme fire danger. No, I don't think that, uh, that even safe and sane fireworks should be sold today everything it's too easy to set off a fire i think they should be regulated and and especially now that the pandemic is coming to an end and everybody's starting to go back out and party i think even if they do regulate it no matter what there's going to be problems there's always problems with this every year well firefighters are reminding everyone illegal fireworks are anything that leave the ground and go into the air <laughs> whoa that's pretty much anything exciting when it comes to fireworks, <laughs> unless you're talking about snakes and sparklers. That's pretty much, that's it, right? Oh, yeah. M80, well, M80s, I mean, those things don't necessarily go into the air. They just blow your hand off if you don't release them in time. But you sort of throw those and they make a really loud booming noise. Like, what good is it if, if the fireworks are illegal in one town, but then the next town you can just go buy them? What good is making them illegal? Yeah, I, I'm really not understanding this safe and sane situation either. Is that implying that there are some sort of dangerous, insane fireworks? Well, yeah, uh, of course. I mean, that there it's obviously more like you're more likely to start a fire with something that like goes flying through the air, right? Yeah, the insane fireworks, apparently. I mean, I don't know what, what they're selling at the safe and sane shop, but yeah, it makes it makes absolutely no sense if jurisdiction to jurisdiction has different rules, right? If, if I can go to San Bruno and get fireworks that I can't get in Brisbane... Like, what's the point of having protocols in Brisbane to prevent it? What's the what's the point of having protocols in San Bruno to, to allow it, right? Shouldn't this be a regional thing much, or a state thing or a federal thing or something along the lines of, you know, what drug policy should be instead of this big, you know, miasma or patchwork quilt of policies and regulations? I, Correct. Uh, you know, my neighborhood did a lot of fireworks last night. I put up a red light from uh, the Plex and uh, 
during a lot of it, people were like in the chat, they were like, pop, 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 because they could hear the fireworks because I had the window open. And so <laughs> it, was, it was kind of funny. But yeah, there was a lot of fireworks going on here, but I didn't notice any fires or anything. I think it's this stuff's like definitely more safe in the cities than outside of the cities just because it's a lot more concrete. Sure. And um, structures are actually fairly fire resistant and not most fire. Most fireworks are not like a Molotov cocktail. It's very true. Um, just sparks, right? right. Uh, it was amusing to watch the local news last night, though, um, and pretty much all evening long. They have their sort of not fake backdrops, right? But they have their sort of camera, you know, backdrops looking out at downtown San Jose or downtown Oakland or SF, whatever. Uh, <laughs> and throughout the night in the background, just the backdrop was pops of <laughs> if illegal firework activity going on throughout the city. It was just hilarious to watch it. And then they cut to one of the, the anchors. Maybe we'll, we'll have this clip next week. And as he's, you know, saying like, you know, uh, I hope you can hear me over the, the rampant, you know, pops. And sure enough, just as he was saying that explosions happened, he was looking over his shoulder, like, my God, can I please do my report and go home? Um, so yeah. <laughs> Nothing has seemed to curtail things. Uh, the fines, the incentives. We were even breaking it down, the good wife and I. You, the San Jose has incentivized um, illegal firework reports. Or, or if you if you successfully call the police to the scene and they are able to make an arrest and see the people actually shooting off the illegal fireworks, you yourself are eligible for a $2,500 uh, reward. Which, ironically, or funnily enough, is let or more than the initial fine like for a first offense so even if you were successful they're not gonna you know they're not gonna they're gonna actually lose money paying you the reward over what they find the person who actually got busted for doing the shit so there you go well i think the idea behind that is to so that people think well maybe my neighbors will call the cops on me so, so i shouldn't do this right well we were just thinking like if that was the situation we would just pe- partner up and make 500 bucks because i think the, fir- the initial fine is two thousand. right so Neighbor shoots off the fireworks. We get them on camera. Someone comes and cites them. No one's getting arrested. They just get cited. They pay the two thousand bucks after we get the twenty five hundred dollar reward, and we split the five hundred bucks. <laughs> I mean, you can only do it a few times because eventually the fines do go exponentially higher for multiple offenses. But um, yeah, if you partner up with enough neighbors, you could probably make a killing. So, what's going on in Arenda? Apparently, they don't like parades, um, and that's really disturbing for a small town, especially in California. Um, so uh, well, let's, let's see what's happening. Something about the 4th of July parade just not going over all that well, but it might be COVID. This time next Sunday, the Bay Area's 4th of July holiday will be winding down in the East Bay. One city hoping He's talking about now. the celebration isn't too large. That's because Orinda is moving forward with plans for a parade, while surrounding communities have canceled celebrations. Here's NBC Bay Area's Marianne Favreau. A small town feel with big time patriotism. Since 1984, the Orinda 4th of July parade and celebration has been a tradition, drawing crowds of up to 5,000 people some years. Last year, the parade didn't happen because of COVID, but this year, the city council voted to move forward with the event. I think it's good. I used to go as a kid, and I think it would be nice to see everybody out back to normal. But with July 4th events canceled in Piedmont, Concord, Danville, Clayton, and other Contra Costa County cities, council member Inga Miller expressed concerns that Arinda would draw larger crowds this year, and the city can't limit how many people show up. She and Arinda Mayor Amy Worth voted against holding the event this year. In a statement tonight, Worth said in part, 
it is important that we exercise care and caution. Any special events need to be organized to reflect that so that participants stay safe. Bill Waterman is with the Orinda Association, which is putting on the parade. He believes the event can be held safely. The idea we have here is that the parade route is about a mile long, so people can spread out here. And secondly, we, um, we suggest people wear masks only because um, unvaccinated people should wear masks, even though it's outside. Uh, especially to protect unvaccinated kids. Waterman says the association also made changes to help keep people safe. No pancake breakfast and no food and beverages oh. will be sold at the event. Um, what kind of praise? Some of the congregating the line. But there will be live music at the gazebo. Yes. I think if people use common sense and distance, it should be fine because it's outdoors. People who don't feel comfortable watching the parade here on 4th of July can watch it online. In Orinda, Marianne Favreau, NBC Bay Area News. You know, I'm, they're not wrong if they're the only ones having a 4th of July parade uh, event in w- with the surrounding cities not having one. There could be a ton of fucking people there. Could be. Could be. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how many people flock from uh, Con- Concord or Antioch to Orinda to see their parade. But if people are clamoring for a parade as they kind of are. People are really clamoring right now for outdoor and just uh, uh, communal events. Just from what I've seen with The Good Wife over the past couple of weeks, it's um, people are definitely ready to, to party and to hang out without masks. <laughs> uh, at least amongst our circles. I mean, yeah, that's good. I went out. Um, first place I've really gone without a mask. Uh, we went to downtown Campbell and had a dinner hmm. at a Pino's on Saturday. Oh, how was it? Oh, it's, come on. The, the best that's the best fucking restaurant in the south bay like easily but um we just walked in like yeah nobody was wearing masks and stuff but it was it's like a small restaurant like but i still wear one at the store i don't know we'll see we'll see like things are i'm They're cautiously opti- i'm cautiously optimistic and people are uh people are definitely clamoring for events and i'm uh you know i'm just i'm just hoping that that doesn't cause a problem it doesn't seem to be so far so that's good Oh yeah, I hundred hundred percent agree. It's it was, I, I can't say it's been really comfortable, right? The couple of events we've been to that have been fairly well attended, um, and people just going back to normal routines of handshakes and hugs and and close talking and sharing buffet food and it, you know, it's it's been a little disconcerting uh, to say the least. I'm trusting most. Of, I'm having to trust most of my colleagues and acquaintances and friends that they are vaccinated and safe, but. Um, you know, honor system only goes so far, <laughs> especially in politics. Yeah, I think I don't know. We'll see. See, things seem to be going well, but that was the that yeah, was leading yeah. off. What do we got here? We, we're going to move on to winners and losers. This is our favorite segment because there are no winners, and if somebody does win, it's oftentimes not anybody you wanted to see win in the first place. <laughs> well, uh, this first story we have coming up uh, is uh, it's, uh, well, sort of a lose lose situation. Although it's uh, the winner ends up being the person who the supposed person who thought that we were the winner thought was the loser but ended up being the winner anyway uh long story short this is a, a kind of a situation that ends up befalling um this show occasionally um and especially the local love show and other uh, music shows that come on our network um in terms of youtube licensing and uh copyright infringement so a, a county sheriff's deputy who in alameda who uh wanted to avoid becoming a meme or a video meme uh decided he would try to use this uh this uh, sort of um, copyright policy to prevent himself from becoming that. So this is a story about what befell him. 
Taylor Swift songs typically go viral, but not for this reason. An East Bay deputy may be in trouble this evening for playing one of Swift's songs on his cell phone while an activist recorded him. The sergeant with the Alameda County Sheriff's Office is heard admitting he's doing it so the activist can't upload the video to YouTube due to the site's copyright rules. Thousands have now seen the video, and as NBC Barry's Melissa Colorado found out, the sergeant in question could face disciplinary action. This is the Taylor Swift song that became problematic for this Alameda County Sheriff Sergeant. Well, it's not a good look for law enforcement. On Tuesday, Sergeant D. Shelby is seen on camera approaching members of the activist group Anti-Police Terror Project. They were outside an Oakland courthouse to listen to a pretrial hearing of a former officer charged with manslaughter. There's rules that the court has set up about protest and uh, distances and signage and after shelby notices someone filming him he takes out his own cell phone and presses play he took his phone and he put it right over his body cam and so i thought he was just trying to drown out the noise then the sergeant explains his reason for blasting t swift why do you have to hide it's definitely a, a hot button issue because you know taylor swift's music is involved and copyright laws involved in that As as of Thursday afternoon, the video is still up on YouTube. A spokesperson for YouTube says their copyright rules are a lot more complicated than Sergeant Shelby thinks they are. For starters, the copyright music has to be loud enough. Secondly, every music label has their own policy when it comes to their songs appearing in YouTube videos. Some allow it, some monetize it, and others block it. Sergeant Ray Kelly with the Alameda County Sheriff's Office says they do not condone this behavior and have asked internal affairs to look into it. You know, we are human beings uh, and, and we do kind of sometimes get you can get caught up in a moment, but the public expects us not to uh, get caught up in those moments. And so this is. This is a, a situation where I'm sure it won't happen again. In Oakland, Melissa, Colorado, NBC, Bay Area News. I'm sure it won't happen again. No, it doesn't work because like, well, okay, so right. like what happens is in most cases, the labels are like, listen, we're not going to pull down everybody's video. We we would like to, if we could get, run commercials on that video and make a few bucks, that'd be great. They're, they don't want to pull down the video. And in this case... I think if the video got pulled down for copyright, I think it would have looked so bad on the label that the label would have said, no, put the video back up. Right. Right. They got into, they got into a rock and a hard place anyway, but, um, but yeah, and also I, I, they're right. I don't know about the, the audibility factor, but, or audible factor, but I definitely didn't, couldn't make it out when I heard clips from the, I mean, I, I could hear the song, but it wasn't as though that was the prominent, you know, pro prominent audio component of this, of the, uh, soundtrack at that time. Right. And, and the other, like, you know what the guy, you know what happened to him? The exact opposite of what he wanted to happen because he thought that by um, doing that, that it, the video was never going to get seen. But this is a video that nobody probably would have seen in the first place because it seemed like there was literally absolutely fucking nothing going on. Right. Exactly. Like and they uh, were, like, there, there was no, the police didn't seem to be doing anything out of, out of the ordinary. They weren't like, brutalizing the people that were standing nearby there was nothing happening so like yeah. this would have nobody would have seen this yeah it was a quote-unquote peaceful protest right well nobody would have seen anything nothing happened yeah instead he made a meme out of himself and so it's a completely basically completely backfired right so welcome to winners and losers where you thought you were the winner but you're really the loser what's the streisand effect you know it's like 
It's like where right. you, yeah, it's like where you, you like, you try to stop something from being seen that not that many people were going to look at in the first place, but in the process of stop trying to stop it from being seen, now everyone wants to look at it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've uh, seen that in other ways lately too, that I'll send, I'll send you some, uh, some clips on, uh, may it be appropriate for the Sunday show more than this show anyway. Well, uh, we will certainly keep an eye on this story and see if it uh, pops, rears its ugly head again. Um, and we'll definitely let you know when Taylor Swift is coming to town again, um, because I'm sure lots of our listener would like to see her. I hope she dedicates that song to that officer who did that when she comes that to would town. Be so, that would be great. This is to the cop. This is for all the cops out there. <laughs> so, uh, so what's this next, next story? Well, um, it, it was budget season recently in June uh, for but mostly uh, localities. Uh, the state budget doesn't really have to get done until September, um, but they do have to come to some sort of agreement by the beginning of the fiscal year so that they can actually have you know spending going on in the meantime. Uh, but cities and counties are responsible for getting their budgets together before the end of June so that uh, July 1st through the next June, um, they can have you know a spending plan for how they're going to spend all the money that we give them in taxes um, and other fees and whatnot. So, uh, a lot of the times around budget season, uh, things come down to semantics more than anything else, right? Not hardline numbers, because no one really knows, frankly, you know, the, the bottom line numbers of any city's budget. Um, even the council members and the staff, they just sort of fudge things and they move numbers around and, it, and that's pretty much it. And the people certainly have no idea what's going on. We, we barely get any sort of cohesive or coherent information about budgets. So it's all big... Uh, big, uh, what do you call it, shell game, and uh, it's got its own lingo and, and, and its own semantics. And in Oakland, apparently, uh, as we are facing this, you know, defund the police movement, which we'll get, get to a little later on, too, um, uh, there are, uh, politicians are sort of bending over backwards to try to be as woke as possible while still respecting the fact that a predominant number of voters name public safety and security and, you know, and, and safety as their number one priority. So here's your, here's how that pans out in terms of the semantics around city budgets in the city of Oakland. The police chief reacted angrily to budget cuts for his department, predicting the city would be less safe. Today, we thought we'd ask the question, is it really a cut at all? At a news conference Monday, Oakland Police Chief LaRon Armstrong denounced the $18 million in cuts to his budget voted by the city council. He said it would reduce police response and decrease the number of new recruits by eliminating two academy classes over the next two years. Today, we find ourselves in a crisis. But it turns out that cut may not be a cut at all. The action that we took on the budget was reducing a proposed increase by the mayor from $27 million more to just $9 million more. That doesn't sound like a cut. It was not a cut. Council President Nikki Fortunato-Bass says they simply decided not to increase by two the number of academies as the mayor's budget proposal recommended. And joining in that was an unlikely ally, Councilman Noel Gallo. The mayor had assigned it and this was what she wanted to contribute. And so does that make it a cut if they don't get it? It is not a cut. An outspoken advocate of the police, Gallo, says he worked for years to get funding to fully staff the department at 782 officers, but it never happened. That money's been sitting there every year, but they didn't follow through. They didn't they, hire they, them. They didn't hire them, never came close to 782, but they were doing overtime. 
Instead of funding the additional academies, the council decided to use the money for crisis response programs that do not involve the police as a way to de-escalate violent interactions between officers and the public. Oakland resident Floyd Allen says sending armed officers to every situation is not making things safer. So they want more money to, you're not really, it's not really being utilized for what it, used, it, it should be. It shouldn't just be for guns, it should be for counselors. In Oakland, John Ramos, KPIX 5. So what, what happened there is that they didn't cut the budget, they reduced the increase. Correct. And that's that's what happens a lot, right? Uh, and some city, some folks will say, well, yeah, that's what we did, like Nikki Fortunato Bass, councilwoman. Um, and others will try to make hay out of it and say, look, we did, we, we made a cut, we defunded the police, right? Um, and Frank, you know, granted that they are trying to reappropriate money, but it was money that was in addition to what the PD and, you know, the staff had requested that the mayor had proposed giving to the police. So really Libby Schaff here is the one proposing even more money going to the police as opposed to defunding, right? Um, so, but no one's calling her out because everyone's getting caught up in this whole thing. Well, is it a cut or is it not a cut? It's like, it, it really doesn't matter. Like, we're, you're not making any substantive changes. You're just sort of changing what was proposed. So, uh yeah, it's just it's just shell games and and, poli and politics as usual. Um, but I like to give these sort of taste of things to our our listener because and our viewer because uh, uh, that's really what down the crux of what down ballot's all about. It's it's these nuances that and this this game that our local politicians play a lot of the time because they don't think anyone's listening or paying attention or really understands what they're doing. Right. So we try to be educational here as well and let you know what's going on. And this is true. This, I guarantee you, no matter if you call your city representatives, council members or selectmen or aldermen, doesn't matter. It's the same, the same dynamics apply no matter where you are. So if you're watching or listening to this anywhere in the world, I guarantee you <laughs> same rules apply. So get out there and get engaged. So our last story here in uh, uh, winners and losers is a story we've been following for quite some time. It's the fucking Flintstone house in Hillsborough. Absolutely. We'd love to come. We'd love to call back all of our stories that um, have, have come across our desk, our news desk. And this is uh, one of our favorites. So uh, anyone who's driven up 280 northbound from uh, South Bay to the North Bay has seen the Flintstone house right around Bunker Hill Drive exit. Um, it's that funky looking old school uh, 70s style newfangled insul foam insulation house that looks just like a cave person house. Um, the nice lady who owns it decided she would put up some funky dinosaurs and other things on it to accentuate it. And the neighbors got pissed. They complained to the city. The city asked her to take them down. She sued the city and she won. State 280 is fighting back and speaking out. KTV's Frank Malico joining us live this afternoon with more on this story. Frank. All right, you won't believe the media attention for this one, Mike. Uh, right behind me in all its glory, there is the Flintstone house. Uh, Media attention from all around the country here today drove standing room only because after all, this is not bedrock, this is Hillsborough, and the city says this house, the so-called Flintstone house, is a public nuisance. The owner, Florence Fang, says, well, that's too bad, and is now countersuing the city. The house sits on a hill above Highway 280, the architecture fresh out of the Stone Age. Florence Fang bought the home back in 2017 for $2.8 Now, Fang later added over 100 giant dinosaurs, huge mushroom structures, a big sign that says Yabba Dabba Doo among other things. Well, the city of Hillsborough says all of that landscaping is not permitted. It's an eyesore and must come down and issued a citation saying Fang has broken the law. The rules are very clear. 
The landscaping of less than 10,000 feet does not come under any permitting issue. She was told over and over, the backyard is less than 10,000 square feet of landscape, therefore you do not have to get permits. Is it really about Dino, Fred, Wilma, or Betty? Is it really about that? Or is it really about Wait. treating Mrs. Fang differently? Because she has a she's dream. And because she's Chinese. And there it is. This is Hillsborough. Things I was waiting for that. She's been harassed by the town for the last 18 months about her Flintstone landscaping, but she's not budging. She says it brings her great joy, and it's the reason she purchased the home in the first place. She plans to fight it all in court. Right now, all I want is a peaceful, quiet, happy, retired life. But now, things no. are changing. Yeah, but I do. <laughs> uh. Well, there you go. The Flintstone home was built in 1976 by architect William Nicholson, who, by the way, was here for the press conference. The home was originally meant to be an experiment with building materials, and now it's mired right in the mix of a big controversy. Now, I spoke to the assistant city attorney of Hillsborough, Mark Hudak, and he gave me this statement. It is a simple matter. The Fangs did a large landscaping project without the proper permits. We issued three stop work notices and finally issued a citation for violating the municipal code here in the town of Hillsboro. The Fangs have to go through the process just like everyone else in town. I did speak to one of the neighbors uh, a couple of houses away. He told me that they have no problem, him and his parents, with the house itself. And by the way, you really cannot see all of the structures and all of the uh, landscaping from the neighborhood, you gotta go on Highway 280, as you see right there. And a lot of folks, I think, get a kick out of it driving northbound on 280, saying, there goes the Flintstone house. This matter could end up in court. That's the very latest. I'm Frank Malicote, live here in Hillsboro, KTVU, Fox 2 News. All right. I'm rooting for the Flintstone house. Fucking A, man. I hope it doesn't end up in court. I hope they do settle, but um, that... Yeah, I, I was waiting for that attorney's note about, and she's being harassed because she's Chinese American. Um, and I, I'm no doubt that's. I'm sure that is playing a role in Tony White Hillsborough. Absolutely. Um, but I, I love attorneys because they want to. They just love pursuing every single angle, and they get what they they get what their clients need. Um, and it's it's right. Like he's right. Uh, I've actually been down that street and from the street side of the house you would i mean you obvious it's obviously a very different kind of house right um and the paint job isn't original either right the paint has they allowed whoever to paint it a bunch of different funky colors it was uniform one color for a long time but you never you don't see all the stuff in the yard from the street and you really only see it from the road and that's exactly what the, the reporter said is exactly my response as a kid through my adult years, growing up, going up that road, going to a ball game or to the city or to uh, you know camping in North Bay or going to Sonoma or wherever Napa, wherever I'm going, Marin. On that way, I, I always, I almost always say, "Oh, look, the Flintstone house." And my wife, the good wife, hates it because <laughs> I say it every time, probably like a little kid. But that's true. So yeah, I really do hope she wins, and I hope uh, the Flintstone house goes on, and I hope Hillsborough ends up being the big loser here. I mean, if that house has fiber internet, I want to broadcast a show from there. Right? We could, uh, we, maybe we can reach out to the attorney. I'm sure they'd be down. We have, we have championed their cause now, so we have formally endorsed their cause. So let's, <laughs> let's reach out to the attorney and see what we can do. Yabba dabba do. Let's see what we can yabba dabba do.
exactly. It'd be super, it'd be super fun. Have a, have a little have a little cocktail party and do a show out, show out of that place. It'd be super fun. Nice. We could have the, she could do Miss Feng could do a little tour of, of the property for us. We can do a little little walk around, a little selfie stick. Heck yeah! All right. Well, that was well, a good hey. way to. You know what? Looks like looks like we are gonna have a winner there. It looks like the, I'm rooting for the fucking Flintstone house. And we'll, I, we'll I'm, see. Just, I'm just gonna bet that most of the neighbors either think it's pretty cool or like don't care. I think I'm that, sure. I think it's like a yeah, pissing sir. contest. Yeah, well, I'm sure they're they're most of the neighbors probably lean towards the one that they quoted as saying like, yeah, whatever, it's no big deal. Um, but yeah, it's 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 the folks on next door, right? It's the next door Hillsboroughs that are probably the ones raising hell the ones that never actually probably drive by the house um and don't live in the neighborhood they should only people it could doing be fun it shit. could be just city manager on a power trip i mean there could be any number of things going on there right <laughs> oh my well um moving on from winners and losers where there are occasionally winners and might be winners in the future um our one of our favorite segments um is get your shit together and uh as holding with tradition uh the story we have today is about shit literally in san francisco <laughs> in san francisco and we are uh, gonna catch up with a story we've been following uh, about the movement to get 24-hour porta potties um, or pu- public potties um you know man- mandated or uh you know, set up throughout the city so hearing about well, the cost. San Francisco supervisor gets his wish, the city is about to get more public bathrooms. He says it's a matter of public safety and really just a matter of decency. But as NBC Bay Area's Christy Smith explains, it's still unclear if this plan for more bathrooms will get flushed away in the budget debates. Many have called these pit stop public restrooms lifesavers during the pandemic. The question now is whether San Francisco needs more of them as we move past COVID. Absolutely, for, for people who live here and for people who visit too. Because, you know, if you're visiting here, you just want the place to be convenient. When there's nowhere to use the bathroom, where do you expect someone who is unhoused to use the bathroom? Before the pandemic, the number of staff public restrooms stood at 25. During the pandemic, the city expanded it to 60. Today, there are about 36, and that could go lower. A supervisor with one of the city's toughest districts says they need more. We want Mayor Bree to support us. We want the mayor to come together and actually restore many more of these bathrooms. The access that we had over the last year should continue. Supervisor Matt Haney led a rally today and says they need to keep 24-hour access. I'm committed to, as budget chair, at a minimum, restoring five of the 24-hour bathrooms and increasing the number of bathrooms by five. He says it's not hard to understand these are necessary to keep the streets from turning into sewers, but it isn't cheap. How much does it cost to run a 24-hour bathroom? For uh, for an entire year, it costs $600,000. That's operating it every hour of the day. And it's because it's staffed and it's clean and we make sure it's used appropriately. At the height of the pandemic, the, the bill for the pit stop program was just under $13 million, so a little more than $12 million for that. We only got a minimal reimbursement from the federal government. The mayor's office released a statement saying in part we're in the middle of the budget process right now and there's always limited funding that needs to be considered. We're working with the departments and the board of supervisors on this and many other issues to reach an agreement on the final budget. In San Francisco, Christy Smith, NBC Bay Area News. <clears throat> the one guy at the beginning, had the, he's like, if you live here or if you're just visiting, these are really convenient. Why don't we have more of these? <laughs> it's like, right. 600000 a year. You can have as many as you want. 
the fact for, that for 600k you know i just think that like if you go to any major city in the united states and you're in the downtown area and you you know no matter who you are the fact that it's hard to find a place to take a piss like sort of speaks to the disdain the, the fact that we are willing to make it so that a tourist can't take a piss so that a homeless person can't take a piss mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. like the disdain that 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 society in general treats homeless people with is it spills over and hurts everyone yes absolutely um what if you have a kid what are you gonna if you're in downtown fucking san francisco and you have a kid and your kid has to go potty where the fuck does your kid go to the bathroom on the street yeah you eventually fucking go find a dumpster and lay like sorry little billy you gotta pee behind the dumpster i know this is illegal but you're seven so i don't think you're gonna get arrested I got, we got to buy some red vines at this shell station so you can use the fucking corroded nasty bathroom there that just got puked on by the the meth addicted truck driver well downtown areas too there's like a lot of bars and stuff like a kid can't really go into the bar maybe right. you could find a mcdonald's or something but like, right for fuck's sake man right uh so yeah, if, if you got six hundred thousand dollars, I, I, this sounds like a, uh, an industry we might be able to get into. I mean, six hundred K is you know, if, if you're considering the staffing situation, right? We might be able to get into some sort of contracting situation. Let's look this up. Maybe we can we can set up our own closet, you know, porter, you know, uh, public potty, uh, you know, uh, network, and uh, and get paid for this shit, man. Forget almost, all this other work. I also feel like there's probably a way to do it more inexpensively. Like, yeah, there has to be. 600k seems like an awful lot even if it's i mean i understand it's 24 7 i don't understand if that means staff like there's someone there at all times i i find that really hard to believe um but staff meaning like it's cleaned like every day or multiple times a day i can understand that but like someone like that is there like are they handing out paper towels are they uh do they have the police on standby like what's going on there what why are they, why is someone is someone going to be there all the time watching me poop yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly what um, what staff should, means, but there's, like I said, there's got to be a way to bring that price down. We'll find out. I'm, I'm, we're going to keep our eye on this story, uh, both of our eyes and our brown eye as well. So um, we will definitely keep you informed, folks. Um, well, hey, moving on down, 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 down ballot to down ballot watch, which has for a couple months at least now become down ballot recall watch. Um, as some of you may have heard out there, producer Dave, I don't know if you heard, they set a date for the recall. It's going to be sooner than later because uh, the legislature just wants to get this over with, I think. So they set a date of September 14th, which is basically two months from now. Uh, so you're going to get your ballot in about a month and this whole thing will be over in about eight, nine weeks time. Which sucks for us, but doesn't suck so much, I guess, for you know California in the future. Anyway, uh, Gavin Newsom, in his uh, infinite wisdom, is doing everything he can to hold on to his seat and make sure that he's making lots of splashy good news. So, as we've been recommending, as producer Dave has been recommending for many, many months, he decided to cancel the rent, or at least try to. California is about to take five billion steps towards preventing more renters from losing their homes. Today, the state formally extended its eviction moratorium through September. Governor Newsom making that announcement here in the Bay Area while also talking about another program meant to get the homeless into permanent housing. Let's bring in NBC Bay Area Scott Budman who joins us in San Jose. And Scott, what does this really mean to all the struggling people here trying to just survive here? Well, Raj, it means $5.2 billion to extend that eviction moratorium and keep people in their homes. As you said, the governor also coming to the Bay Area to spotlight a local way to fight homelessness. 
Governor Newsom sat down with a resident of Life Moves in Mountain View, a program built to get the unhoused off the street for good. The governor then announced his $5.2 billion plan to keep tens of thousands of people from losing their houses, extending the eviction moratorium, paying due rent to struggling landlords. Anybody that has been impacted by COVID that owes rent going back to last April, not just this April, last April, we will pay 100% of that rent. We'll also pay that rent 100% of it going forward uh, through September. I think it's just really, honestly, life-saving. A plan local advocates say will help many people remain housed and help others get housed. So I think it shows not only the light at the end of the tunnel, the pandemic ending, but a light at the end of the tunnel that there's hope for them to be able to survive and meet their basic needs for them and their family. Life Moves is part of the state's Project Home Key, which buys and remodels properties to create long-term transitional housing for the homeless. They connect them with supportive services if they need mental health. We send them to therapists. If they need help with employment, we start from scratch, build a resume, give them job coaching skills. Eventually getting them into permanent homes. We think that we've stepped on something here that's pretty magical, and we want to spread that magic with all communities across Silicon Valley that need us to be in the game with them. We stepped on some magic poop. The governor says the extension adds $2 billion to go towards water and utility bills. Live in San Jose, Scott Budman, NBC, Bay Area News. So they ended up doing the fucking thing that we said they should have done in the first place. Correct. And it cost a whopping $5 billion. Like in the greater context of things. Are you kidding me? (laughs) That's a steal. Um, And they should have done. Yeah, they should have done it from the very beginning. They should have made it clear from the very beginning instead of leaving all these people in limbo for more than a year wondering what was going to fucking happen. Not to mention all the service agencies that support these folks. Right. I mean, come on. Now, the the question here is, though, like, let's say let's say you're in a situation where you were delinquent on rent. Right. And your landlord was unhappy about that. Well, once the landlord's made, made whole, is is there are there provisions in this to prevent them from evicting you anyway because you inconvenienced them? That's a fabulous question. Uh, there, I don't know that there are. Um, a lot of cities and localities have uh, you know just cause eviction uh, you know ordinances that tend to c- uh, cover things such as that. Like you really have to. Um, have broken the lease and not just like made your landlord mad, right. Or or made them upset, um, to get evicted. Uh, so, but I don't know that this necessarily has that. So that's a good question to ask our local legislators about it, but, um, at least a step in good step in the right direction. But, um, yeah, as always, um, plenty of loose ends to tie up and make sure that we're not having unintended consequences. Um, but yeah, this makes absolutely perfect sense. Um, and for God's sake, government like owns the money they own at the end of the day, you go far up enough and the government's the ones printing the money. So I'm sure we can figure this shit out. We, we took ourselves off the gold standard for a reason, right? Anyway. Um, so that, that's all what's going on with the recall. Um, look forward to your ballot coming about a month from now. September 14th is the election date. Uh, and of course the folks who promoted the recall are pissed off because it's too soon. The folks who, don't want the recall or pissed because they have to fight the recall in the first place and spend a bunch of money doing it. So there'll be less money for our battles next year. So it's just a big fucking mess. And at the end of the day, the dude's not doing an awful job. So nobody's happy. No one's happy. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I don't, you know, who's happy political consultants are happy. 
<laughs> uh, signature gathering firms, very happy. Um, people who print ballots, very happy. <laughs> I'm like really mad that there aren't more fucking crackpots running. Right. I, I, well, I, th I think that's a byproduct of, I mean, w you can be a crackpot, you can be a Looney Tune, but it's, it's, it really takes like Aust the Austin uh, Bennett's of the world to look at the numbers as they are right now and the polling that's out there right now and say, yeah, there's a chance. Cause there's, there, if you look at everything being what it is, considering it's going to be an all male election and we're probably going to have pretty good turnout there's very little chance that this is, this succeeds at all. So why bother? Like why waste the money? Why waste people's time, especially with an election next year, right? If you really want to run against Gavin Newsom, you can run against him next year during the regular election, or you just wait. No, I don't think anyone is really interested in, in a sac being a sacrificial lamb other than John Cox or, or Austin Bennett, who knows, or, uh, you know, Caitlyn Jenner, who's, uh, who are just running Primarily to just build their name ID. They're not. John Cox is not running because he thinks he can win. Caitlyn Jenner's not running because she thinks she can win. They are, or they're, they can win. I forget what pronouns Caitlyn uses. I think it's she, her. Uh, thank you. Um, so th they're doing this for publicity and to make a name for themselves and maybe to run again someday. Um, but primarily just to make hay and be able to sell, you know, sell a few books or, you know, get their interviews in, in magazines and I don't know, uh, maybe, maybe John Cox will end up endorsing like some sort of bear food or some pet bear food or something. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, uh, exotic, yeah, exotic bear, John Cox's exotic bear or exotic pet emporium. <laughs> That'll be his next venture. So oh, wait, what we got up next is the San Jose, uh, school, like the school board seems to have voted to remove, uh, off like, uh, campus cops. Yeah, so there's another byproduct of the defund movement um, and the the woke movement is that uh, the community progressive groups are calling on and criminal justice reform groups are calling on uh, school districts to uh, de defund their own police. Uh, most school districts, to up to now at least, have had mem uh, understandings and, and agreements with their local police departments to provide security on campus in the form of us, what they call a school resource officer who basically patrols high school and middle schools and or middle schools um, and is assigned to that school and is there to both be a preventative measure, but then also to be used by the administration in the case that students, you know, engage in something or uh, adults engage in something that goes beyond just school protocols and school discipline, right? When it becomes a legal matter. Unfortunately, they tend to be overused, um, and especially against people, uh, students of color um, and students with dis disabilities, special needs students. So there's been a long movement, even before the uh, the recent um, protests and, and defund movement, to get rid of these officers and to, to end this practice. Um, and now they actually had the, the uh, momentum to do it. So we're going to find out what happened in San Jose's largest school district. Jose's largest school district with about 28,000 students is the latest school district in the city to remove police officers from their campuses. This comes after a nearly year-long debate whether or not the school district should renew its contract with the San Jose Police Department. Starting next year, board members voting to remove school resource officers from district campuses. Like many districts, not just here in this area, but across the, the country, there have been concerns about law enforcement and then the role of uh, school resource officers on campuses. In San Jose Unified's case, um, we had not been hearing concerns or had any formal uh, complaints against um, our officers or the program that we were implementing here in the district. 
And so we understand the, the national concerns. We understand what some of the concerns are around, um, you know, law enforcement and some of the, the reform efforts that are, that are needed there. However, we, we also felt that uh, our program was working um, successfully and we were navigating a very complex issue um, successfully here. We live downtown and our neighborhood elementary school, again, prostitution is on the rise. I mean, it's, it's right in front of it. And times again, they go right in front of the school to do their thing. And again, this is where officers need to be present. What, what safety mechanisms are going to be in place? And these campuses are open. There, anyone could walk on and I'm really really concerned given again that you know we want to get back to normalcy and by doing this again we're not ensuring that you know it's going to be normalcy uh, when they left that when they come back again that it's going to be a return to normal. Fundamental truth is this city now unfortunately is on a list of mass shootings in the United States of America. Ironically because of the proximity of where that happened next to a sheriff's station that tragic incident that cost eight lives could have been far worse had it been somewhere else where, where that ability to have law enforcement on site sooner wasn't there. As a parent of three small children in a public school in San Jose, I want to know that my kids are protected by the San Jose Police Department. I don't want my teachers and my staff and, and principals and administrators having to all of a sudden figure out how to turn into SWAT teams protecting kids when they themselves need to worry about protecting their lives uh, in the process. So I am urging the San Jose Unified School Board to reconsider this decision, to have a deeper, more intellectual conversation with themselves, with the San Jose Police Department, and not set a dangerous precedent. So two, two uh, community members spoke in that video. Can you name the community member who is running for city council next year? The last one. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. Douchebag. Also, none of his kids are in San Jose Unified, as far as I know, because he's if he's running in District 5, almost none of District 5 overlaps San Jose Unified. He, they might be in one particular school, but I don't think they are, and I think he would say it explicitly if they were. He's absolutely taking advantage of this situation just to pop off about it um, and to express his concerns, even though council member has nothing to do with education. The city doesn't do education. But anyway, that's, that's all beside the point. Um, what are your thoughts, Producer Dave? What do you think about this whole this whole mess? I remember while I was in high school, I think they added a cop, and I think it was fairly controversial in our uh, in our neighborhood where I, where I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and the, the superintendent, God bless her, is full of shit. Like they they were he- they've heard about this. They were hearing not maybe there weren't any formal complaints, but they had certainly certainly heard complaints many 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 times from black and brown parents and parents of children with disabilities or uh, or with let, or, I don't know, uh, uh, children of all abilities, right? Who had been uh, harassed, who had been um, even cited by police in some cases by the, the SRO. And that like impacts your record, right? Like that gets on your, your freaking record as a kid and it's hard to get it off. Um, and it certainly labels you as, as a, you know, a bad seed, right? So it, we have enough trouble already, um, you know, with self-esteem and, and, and self-confidence and, and other issues with um, black and brown youth. Like, we definitely don't need this on top of it. Um, but yeah, this, this, this is what it comes down to. They've, they've been hearing this for years and now there's actually momentum to get this things done. And by three, it was not an easy vote. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a unanimous vote. It was three, two. And the two who voted against were, you know, 
reasonable people who normally, you know, white people who normally would would vote progressively, um, but they were influenced by um, some, you know, powerful people who influenced them, right? Um, but three people, three of them voted for it, so more power to them. It's 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 moving, and, and they're not the only district that's done this um, around here. A lot of uh, s- s- districts on the east side were. Um, the future council member candidate uh, does have his kids going to school have also taken out the SROs as well. So this is something that's happening across, uh, across our region, across the country. And yeah, I, for, at the end of the day, I don't knowing what I know and having been worked in these schools, I, the, the difference there, there's really not a lot of difference that they bring. There's not a lot of good that they bring to the situation at the end of the day. It's been proven that they don't respond you know, in school shootings. They are the least likely to respond. They usually run and hide and call the SWAT team, right? Um, which is what you really should fucking do. Um, so all the, all this hubbub about the school shooter and the open campus and the other dangers, I just don't buy um, when it comes down to it because um, I've seen how it works uh, in reality. And unless you want to make schools prisons, you're never going to keep that kind of thing off campus. The only thing you're, way you're going to keep shooters off campus is by getting rid of the guns. Yeah, I think that um, I just don't think that there's any reason to believe that there would be a slow response time by the San Jose police to an incident at a school if they had Correct. to respond. Correct. And they already have, um, in this heightened era, they also, I know for a fact, have agreements with the cops. Like, the cops patrol these neighborhoods. Like, schools are a priority. When it comes to your beat cop, right, who has, like, a turf, they they are going by the school constantly, right? That's their that's part of their regular patrol. Um not like my street or your street, right? Like schools are a top priority already. So yeah, if anything's popping off, there's going to be a cop there in moments. Um, there was actually, there was a sh- uh, incident not too long ago, maybe a few years back where a kid from the neighborhood around a school in San Jose Unified, I think got access to a gun, right? A shotgun uh, or a rifle, hunting rifle and went and shot out a bunch of like the, the security cameras at one of the campuses, right? The elementary campus cops were over there in a minute like he didn't have like he didn't get one or two shots off before they got their neighbor called they were there in a second you can actually see them running him off campus in the the video footage so oh, yeah one of, were, the, one of the one of the that's two in the morning one of the cameras Sorry. he didn't manage to take out right exactly <laughs> well no it was, it was actually kind of amusing you see the footage is great you see him aim take take the shot and the camera obviously like got hit like the the uh the casing got hit but it shakes around but the camera itself stays alive it's just like slanted a little bit right. so you get to watch the whole rest of the incident play out in this like sort of slanted look but yeah no they came they came right away they get two in the morning and it was it was done right so and yet and still the neighbors you know ever all the other neighbors freaked out and said oh god our kids aren't safe and it's like well you know it was actually one of your kids but yeah right exactly and it turned, turned out being a graduate of the school and like yeah a neighborhood kid so um yeah, bottom line is you can't prevent those things from happening they're going to happen um as long as we live in a society like we do the best thing you can do is just you know, make sure your kids are prepared for it mentally um, and make sure everyone knows what to do when something does happen. So, even if that means drills where kids have to get under the table because there's a shooter at the campus. Like, you, yeah, that's that's reality. Maybe it's better that we're, our kids understand this now than later in, than getting scarred later in life. So we got, anyway. we're going to go on up to Richmond. What's going up on up in Richmond? Well, speaking of defunding the police, there's at least one... Uh, a uh, person of color on a city council in the Bay Area who is definitely not down with um, defunding the police. Um, and there's there's more than one, but this 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 gentleman decided he was going to go on the news and talk about it. 
This is just the beginning. Many police departments feel like they're under attack by their own city council. Defunding police is happening in Oakland, and now the battle is on in Richmond. Or is it? An email from a city leader in <laughs> Richmond is raising a lot of eyebrows. Here's NBC Bay Area's Melissa Colorado. Comes to the debate of whether or not to defund police departments. There's only one side this 89-year-old is on. If someone is breaking into my home, threatening my life. I want a police officer with a gun, perhaps a shotgun, and if he can get a canine. I An email from Joe Bachelor, <laughs> a Richmond teacher who lives in Oakland, petitioning him to take funding away from the Richmond Police Department. I, I thought it was spam. Bates did not hold back, criticizing Oakland's leaders for choosing to divert millions of extra funding away from OPD while the city grapples with an increase in violent crime. Bates also writes this, quote, when a criminal is breaking into my auto or home while threatening me and my family life, I want a police officer with a pistol, shotgun, and if possible, a canine to make sure the idiot does not escape, not a damn mental social worker with an iPad as you <laughs> The tone of the message really proves that he doesn't care about the people of Richmond. They feel as though they can come into our city wearing their Black Lives Matters and their t-shirts and so forth and dictate how police uh, should be in our community. After the death of George Floyd, the city of Richmond created a reimagining public safety community task force. High school teacher Luis Chacon sits on that task force, which helped divert $3 million of police funding to a number of social services. We want a strong police presence to curtail as much of this violence as we can. In Richmond, Melissa Colorado, NBC, Bay Area News. The thing that guy said was stupid. If a violent crime is happening, nobody thinks that they should send a social worker. No, absolutely not. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's, and that's not the idea of defunding, right? Like the idea is that you send the appropriate response to the appropriate situation. Um, yeah, it, it, it just, <laughs> I do, I do enjoy, I do enjoy that clip, uh, because it just, it really shows the broad panoply of, of perspectives on the situation. Um, but that response is just def I, Why you got to bring the dogs in? That was my biggest question. Why you got to bring the canines in? There's these poor dogs, they're being, you know, forced to do these jobs that are really difficult. Like, they're, that's even worse than just being a cop. Like, you know, you have no idea what you're getting dumped into. You just want to have treats and walk around and sniff things. And now you're being used to sniff things and, like, find people and find criminals and maybe, like, chomp down on them because the cop is, you know, doesn't want to do their job. Why you got to bring the dogs into it? Leave the dogs out of it. Defund the dogs. Um, or don't defund the dogs. Move them to a better... A better space. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll we'll see what we'll see what happens uh, in in Richmond. I have a feeling that eventually the powers that be are gonna or the the winds of change are gonna overcome this one particular council member. But that is kind of a really toned up response. I also didn't it. like that the news said that Oakland had defunded the police department when in fact Oakland had just reduced the amount of the uh, increase in funding. Well, aren't you glad we had that story on earlier so that you you know that and we we know that that was all a bunch of hooey. It, who is the right word? Little political, little political balderdash. Um, <laughs> well, producer Dave. Speaking of defunding the police, we have reached the end of another wonderful episode of Down Ballot. But before we go, there's another thing we have to bring you. And producer Dave, if, if we defunded the police, right? If we really did, we would not 
be you know uh, given these beautiful clips that we're about to see i mean these beautiful inc incidences that we we have caught here on camera we, we would be defunded of all i have to say is kablamo kablamo boom so what happened here well what happened here let's see uh so the police in Los Angeles, um, and you probably saw this on your evening news, this made this made the viral rounds. The police in Los Angeles last week um, uncovered an illegal fireworks um, uh, cache of something in the neighborhood of like 5,000 pounds of fireworks. That's two and a half tons for those of you who are not metrically inclined or, uh, or English measurement inclined, I guess. Um, so instead of, I don't know, taking all these explosives to a place where they can safely explode them right or do whatever you do to the to explode things that you do, when you don't want to explode them in the outdoors areas um they decided to take us some of them put them into this device that they have on the back of a flatbed truck apparently that is for you know blowing things like the bomb squad has it it's for blowing things up inside the, the device or this little room well the room didn't hold and they put too many explody things in the device and it exploded outside of the device and ended up shattering windows, injuring, I think, 17 people in the neighborhood and giving everyone a very, very large scare in the middle of South Central Los Angeles. I mean, they didn't do this in, um, they didn't do this in like, um, Beverly Hills. Well, yeah, I know they were actually looking to do it at the Third Street Promenade in San, Santa Monica, but there was a traffic, <laughs> there was a little bit of traffic, they couldn't find a parking spot, so they went to South Central, Slauson and Crenshaw, you know, right near the, the, the in, in a nice residential neighborhood, and just did it there, because, you know, who, who could, who would, who would mind, really, at the end of the day? Um, there's some fantastic footage out there, by the way, of, like, the police showing up, nothing to see here, please back up, <laughs> Right, as, it's this, like as this huge pillar of smoke is billowing up behind them on this residential street um and it's just it's so fun to, to watching the aftermath the only reason i can laugh is because no one died right very right. very easily could have killed many many people um if, instead of scaring a bunch of people and no one was seriously injured so god, thank god for that but yeah <laughs> i mean these are the professionals these are the professionals who are supposed to be dealing with these things and even they don't know what they're fucking doing like my god you you know you want to have you want to have faith. It's some some part of me wants to have faith in our systems and our our authorities, right? And then you see something like this, and you realize that there's really no basis for that at all. And you should just be. We need to be skeptical and call these fuckers out at every turn um, and make sure that we're holding them accountable. I mean, even if it was in something that wasn't gonna that they thought was gonna be basically like like blast proof. They just did it at a street corner? Right, right. Like, there's no protocol. There's no even... Just just the remote chance, right? Like, it's prob there's probably, like, a chance, right? There's probably, like, a 99.9% .9 chance that everything works fine, right? And then there's just 1% chance for whatever that nothing... Or 0.1% chance that it doesn't work out. Just that 0.1% should be enough to say, like, why don't we take this to the, the yard, the courtyard, and do it there, right? Don't you or, take it all back to... Or just find a big fucking parking lot in an empty office park where... Where like if you bust a few windows or something, at least nobody gets hurt. Right. And at the end of the day, right there, I'm guessing the point is that they want to splody the things so that no one else can get the splody things and explode them themselves, right? They right. want to have them in a storage in some sort of like a police storage facility and that gets robbed, right? And people have a bunch of splody things. So they want to destroy them. That's great. Just why do you have to do it on twenty seventh or hundred and twenty seventh street? Why couldn't you do it, you know, 
in Long Beach at the docks. <laughs> right, uh, right, the, the, right. Wait, there's tons of there's just there's industrial areas where oh, there's, nobody's there's so many. Yeah, yeah, nobody's home. There's even plenty of neighborhoods, frankly, in industrial neighborhoods in South Central where, you know, they could just roll to a couple minutes away and they wouldn't have to go to a, a courtyard. Um, I mean, that's not necessarily better, but it's at least it's not near people's houses. We had people and, you know, so people and at the end of the day, people got fucking hell inconvenience. They got their windows blown out at their house. You know, grandpa had a fucking heart attack. Like th- there's some serious repercussions here. Um, and once again, their neighborhood gets turned into a war zone. So please, for the love of God, have some more sense before you set off a bunch of explodey things. Right. I don't think that you should be, I'm not sure that like, exp, I don't know. I don't know how to handle like, uh, like fireworks that you found, but <clears throat> if you're going to d- dispose of the, I don't understand why they just, it, it just seems like, it seems like they were careless, but a conspiracy minded person might have a, a different view as to why they did it there. It's it. Well, you know, <sighs> Uh, for me, it's one. Of, it's the carelessness that belies the systemic problem, right? Like it was careless because they just didn't think that it was that big of a deal. Whereas you're right, if it was Bel Air or Beverly Hills or West Hollywood, even right, or even some like one of the tonier neighborhoods of the of the the, the valley, right, like Burbank or something or North Hollywood, they would have thought twice about it. They absolutely would have thought twice about it, and they would have done it somewhere else. The fact that they didn't think about that, even if it wasn't a situation where they're like, oh yeah, let's, let's, you know, there's a bunch of black people around here. Let's blow this shit up and freak them out and hurt a bunch of people. You know? No, they, they probably just didn't think about that at all. It didn't occur to them at all. And that's the problem is that it didn't occur to them at all. Right. <laughs> Whereas it would have occurred to them in a, in a white neighborhood. Well, I just, yeah. I mean, well, they, you know, they wouldn't have done it and they wouldn't have done this, even if nothing went wrong, if it turned out they yeah. did this in like Bel Air. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or, 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 they did deli- or they did it deliberately, and that's just in, in, you know infinitely more fucked up. But this is certainly not safe and sane, right? We cannot say this is safe and sane. <laughs> Either of those things. No, it's just, the white. I don't understand. Like, there's plenty of. You just go out to an industrial area and do it. it was yeah. Obviously, nighttime, so yeah, people weren't pl- at work. Plenty, you go you, around. You pl- you, plenty of those things. You look around. If there's cars, fucking take a few minutes, walk around, be like, hey, we're gonna dispose of some fireworks. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, don't, and don't you just collect, you collect them all, and then you go back to wherever the base is, right? The, the home base, and then you blow them all up, or you incinerate them, or you do something else with them. You know, like why, why, why do it piecemeal as you're going through the neighborhood? Um, so, and it was actually pretty. It's pretty freaking funny if you watch like the the series of news clips because it started out with this big press, uh, you know, uh, blow up, right? Like the the LAPD sends out this press release. We fucking you know found five thousand pounds worth of illegal fireworks, right? good good on us pat us on the back right and then like moments after that that like sort of self accolades this shit happened <laughs> so egg on face hello uh, oh. yeah anyway. that's 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 insane i'm just uh i'm just glad yeah. nobody was hurt worse than they absolutely. were absolutely absolutely and um i don't know like who was driving the vehicle i hope that person's okay <laughs> Yeah, the whole the, it's amazing. You watch the you look at the aftermath video, and that thing is just mangled beyond recognition. Like they're gonna they're not gonna be they're not gonna be able to get it out of there with a tow truck. They're gonna have to put it on a flatbed, like lift the whole rig, eighteen whatever eighteen wheel rig up, and put it on a flatbed and take it out of there because it was just mad. the cab was totally fucked too. So yeah, I'm guessing no one was in the cab because if someone was, they would have gotten a lot a lot worse. So anyway, well that was another thing. 
That, that was amazing. That I mean, it's not amazing if you live in that neighborhood, but I mean, just imagine right. like even just my neighborhood or your neighborhood, like why would, oh, yeah, what, no. what would, like think about San Jose, like just any residential neighborhood in San Jose where it's like not, you know, Willow Glen or whatever. What the fuck? Like why, you know, yeah. like, come on. Well, if it was Willow Glen, I guarantee you someone's getting fucking fired. Like there are many, many people losing their jobs if that happens in Willow Glen, right? Even if no one's hurt or dead, right? Like, Right, even if the thing people works, are getting fired. Even if yeah. the thing works properly and nothing. Oh yeah, bad no, people happens. are getting fired. Yeah, hundred percent. People are getting fired if they find out that that happens in Willow Glen. Absolutely. Also, they get they get pissed off about vector control for fucking mosquitoes. Right. And mosquitoes are the worst spreaders of like a virus in the you know in the world. <laughs> um. So these are the people that get pissed off about that. They would definitely get pissed off about police exploding things in the middle of their street. Cool. Well, just some uh, just some programming notes because it's going to go up tonight and people are going to hear it. There's no show tomorrow night. No local love. Uh, no intellectual Dollar Tree this week. Um, next show will be uh, Cults in the Satanic Panic, and then uh, after that, will be down ballot next Friday. Following Friday, we're off because I'll be at Bike Party. But do watch Twitch for the IRL. The media wench will be uh, running uh, running some video of the event from her phone, and that'll be on our Twitch channel. And uh, probably can't put it up on YouTube because I will be putting <laughs> fact DJing. But also, there'll be an interview with the DJ after 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 his set, of course. Fabulous. So fabulous. We'll enjoy that. that. That's it. Thanks everybody for listening to Dow Mallet. Make sure you follow us at Twitch.tv/EchoplexMedia and uh, send us some money at Patreon. Patreon.com. Uh, this wasn't a live show. There's no post game, so there'll be no patron show for this. But there's uh, all kinds of great stuff on Patreon, and you support us that way. Also, new swag at the Echoplex Media Swag Store. Just go to EchoplexMedia.com. Click the support tab. We have a new shirt for Intellectual Dollar Tree. We have a new shirt for Local Love. We have uh, nice. two new shirts for cults in the satanic panic. Uh, DJ star noir helped us make sure, helped us with our existing design to make sure it printed well, both on colored nice. white, sh- colored shirts, white shirts, and on a black shirt. So those are, those are all available and they're everything. Uh, all the standard t-shirts are under 25 bucks. And the only thing over 25 bucks is the, like the baseball style tee with the different colored arms. And I think that's $26. So everything's fairly reasonably priced. And if you buy a couple shirts, the, the, the service we use will throw in free shipping. This is Locals by Audible Smokles. Oh, I can't believe I just did that. All right. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. We'll be back with the next episode of Down Ballot. See you, producer. <laughs> To get the party started Pick up my phone Just to check and see who's calling Dress up real nice For the ladies at the bar And I'm driving in my car Just to get to where they are Here at the local scene Is where I plant my feet It's where I smoke my cigarette And I hold my drink I look at all my friends They're all blazing greens Here at the front of the stage Waiting for FTV Where are those guys Who's standing next to me With a pipe in his hand Ready to blaze for me About five minutes later We're all singing We now get the fuck up on and rock the scene, yeah. We do what we want, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. We do what we want, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. Enjoy that band. 
turn and head back to the bar For a refill, man, because you know where we are We're headed out to the car To smoke another one, and another one Now just when the magic starts kicking in I hear we left playing, and you know it's time to head in Alright everybody, now it's time to grab a new drink Spark it if you got it, and then pass it to me, yeah We do what we want and what we want is the jam So sit back and enjoy the band We do what we want What we wanna do and what we want is the jam So sit back and enjoy the band Enjoy that band Last up on the bill for the show tonight It's down and dirty in five So we're headed outside To spark up another joint Now who's got my light? A stoner E, of course Shouldn't you be inside? I'm all up in this bitch being who I gotta be I'm fucked up like the US economy The truth is is that I don't think logically Stone to E take you on a psychedelic odyssey Now inside motherfuckers is rocking me And outside shit we smoke a lot of rockin' Rockin' the rolly, you're the sexy groovy jockin' me Ain't too drunk to fuck but I'll probably do a sloppin' We do what we want and what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band We do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band So sit back and enjoy